Section 21 of the South American Republics, Volume 1, by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nater. Part 3, Uruguay. Chapter 4, Independence and Civil War. In the beginning of 1825, a group of patriots met in Buenos Aires and planned an invasion of Uruguayan territory. Word was sent to different chiefs in the country districts, and on the night of the 19th of April, 33 adventurers, with La Valleja at their head, landed on the shore of the river in the extreme southwestern corner of the country. No sooner had they landed than the country rose. The troops sent from Montevideo to meet the band of revolutionists refused to fight, and deserting the Brazilian banner, joined their compatriots. The revolutionists advanced east along the Negro and the Yi to Durazno, 130 miles north of Montevideo, where they found Rivera, then general in the Brazilian service. He promptly deserted and was at once associated with La Valleja in the command. La Valleja advanced to the south, calling the population to arms, while the northern detachments rose in response to Rivera. Only fifteen days after the thirty-three had crossed to Uruguay, the flag of the revolution was floating over the Cerrito Hill, in front of the Montevideo, and Brazilian power was virtually confined to the walls of that city and colonia. The military chiefs formally declared Uruguay separated from Brazil, and proclaimed its reincorporation with the Argentine. The number of Brazilians then in Uruguay was small, and infantry could not be expected to do much fighting on the plains against gaucho cavalry led by such experienced guerrilla fighters as Rivera and La Valleja. A division of Rio Grandense cavalry, under their own chiefs, Bento Manuel and Bento Gonçalves, met the Uruguayans at Sarandí. The two armies used substantially the same methods, charging into each other, sword in hand and carbine at shoulder. The Brazilians were caught in a disadvantageous position and suffered a complete and bloody overthrow. The result of this battle was to ensure to the revolutionists the continuation of their complete dominance in the country. Their cavalry bands roamed at will up to the very walls of Montevideo. Buenos Aires received the news with extravagant demonstrations of joy, and formal notice was given to Brazil that Uruguay would henceforth be recognized as an integral part of the Argentine Confederation. The emperor promptly responded with a declaration of war. His fleet blockaded Buenos Aires, while he poured reinforcements into Montevideo and sent an army to invade northern Uruguay. Argentine troops likewise swarmed across the Uruguay River into the country, and the Brazilians could make little progress. On sea they were not more successful, and by the beginning of 1826, Admiral Brown was blockading Colonia and menacing the communications of Montevideo. In August 1826, the famous Argentine general, Carlos Alvear, took command of the Patriot forces. Jealousies and quarrels had meantime broken out between La Valleja and Rivera. Alvear took the former's side, and Rivera's partisans revolted. But the arrival of more reinforcements for the Brazilians hushed up for the moment the intestine quarrels of the Spanish Americans. Alvear determined to carry the war into Brazil, and early in January 1827 succeeded in passing between the northern and southern Brazilian armies, and penetrated across the frontier to the northeast. He had sacked Bagé, the principal town of that region, before the Brazilian general, the Marquis of Barbacena, was able to concentrate his forces and start in pursuit. Alvear turned north, towards the missions, but he was in a hostile country, where defeat meant total destruction. 
Though his army numbered 8,000 men, he had cut himself off from his base, and an enemy in equal force was close at his heels. He resolved to turn and give battle, and on the 20th of February, 1827, his army met that of Barbacena in the decisive battle of Ituizaingo, which ended in the defeat of the Brazilians. Although Barbacena was able to withdraw his army without material loss, and Alvear retired at once to Uruguayan soil, the Brazilians were never afterwards able to undertake a vigorous offensive. The result of that battle ensured that the north bank of the plate should remain Spanish in blood, language, and government. A few days before Ituzaingo, Admiral Brown had won the great naval fight of Juncal at the mouth of the river Uruguay, and thenceforth the Brazilian blockade of Buenos Aires was entirely ineffective. If it had not been for the civil disturbances in Argentina that paralyzed the Buenos Aires government, the Brazilians might have been swept out of Montevideo at the point of the sword, and the Argentines might have undertaken the conquest of Rio Grande itself. Though considerable Argentine forces remained in Uruguay during 1827 and 1828, they put no vigor into their operations, and on their part the Brazilians were able to do little more than hold Montevideo. So hampered was Rivadavia, the president of Buenos Aires, by revolts, uprisings, and disorders throughout Argentina, that he thought himself obliged to agree to abandon Uruguay. Public opinion in Argentina would not accept the treaty which he made, he was deposed, and a leader of the opposite party installed in power. Rivera, operating on his own account, had undertaken a campaign against the western Rio Grande, but so bitter was factional feeling that his rival, La Valleja, sent a force to pursue and fight him, while the new Buenos Aires government was induced to sign a treaty of peace, largely because Rivera's success against the Brazilians might make him strong enough to be dangerous. Both Brazil and Argentina were tired of this tedious, expensive war, and both governments had preoccupations within their own territories. Through the intervention of the British minister, the terms were agreed upon. Brazil and Argentina both gave up their claims to Uruguay, the region was erected into an independent republic, and Brazil and Argentina pledged themselves to guarantee its independence during five years. At that time, Argentina was convulsed by the struggle between the Federalists and the Unitarians, and the Uruguayans were also divided into two camps, the followers of La Valleja and those of Rivera. Neither in Argentina nor in Uruguay were these divisions parties in any proper sense of that term. They were military factions, whose ambitious leaders seem to have always been willing to sacrifice the interests of the country at large to secure a partisan advantage. The Argentine troops, who returned home from the war against Brazil, promptly plunged their country into the bloodiest civil war known in her history, and Uruguay did not delay in following the example. The first chief magistrate of independent Uruguay was José Rondó, an Uruguayan who had become one of the greatest Argentine generals. However, La Valleja and Rivera were the real factors in the situation, and Rondó's efforts to conciliate both at the same time failed. Constituent Assembly, which soon met and framed a paper constitution, was controlled by La Valleja's partisans. Rondó was deposed, and La Valleja assumed the reins of power. Rivera prepared to march on Montevideo and dispute the matter by arms, but the representatives of Argentina and Brazil intervened, and a compromise was effected. Rivera got the best of the bargain, being given command of the army, and after the constitution had been declared, 
On the 18th of July, 1830, he became, as a matter of course, the first President of Uruguay. CHAPTER XXII.